You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health Podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Calm Cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long. Calm Cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds, like ocean waves and crackling fires. All of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast. Calm Cove is brought to you by the team behind Sleep Cove, the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis, meditation and stories. So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night. Hello, I'm Teresa McKee, your host for A Mindful Moment. There's never been a better time to build your mindfulness skills. Mindfulness not only improves your mental, emotional, and physical well-being, but provides a foundation for remaining calm during stressful challenges and events. Through mindful thoughts and actions, we can do more than just survive life's challenges. We can continue to thrive. The key to becoming more mindful is simply practice. We hope this podcast will provide you with knowledge, inspiration, and motivation. Working together, we can learn and grow from any experience. So, let's get started. Let's face it, things don't seem to be going very well, pretty much anywhere at this point. With this continuing level of stress and chaos on the outside, it's more important than ever that we practice strengthening our mindfulness skills and focus on well-being. I've been contemplating what we discussed over the past few weeks, specifically who I want to be now. I'm having a little trouble answering that question, so I shifted it to how do I want to be, and the first word that popped into my head was at ease. I want to be a person who is at ease. What does that mean? Ease can be used as both a verb and a noun. As a noun, ease means absence of difficulty or effort. It can also mean free from worries or problems, especially related to one's material situation. That definitely fits how I'm feeling. As a verb, ease means to make something unpleasant or intense less serious or severe. Again, fits perfectly. Ease is not as popular anymore as words like tranquility or peace, but those two words don't align exactly with what I'm wanting. I don't want to lay in the lilies feeling blissed out and serene. I want to simply lessen the intensity of my anxiety and worry so that I can be productive and effective without the constant distractions that my mind keeps creating. I'm so grateful for my mindfulness practice because I honestly believe I would be very depressed by now if not for it. 
But practicing mindfulness does not exempt me from worry or from negative thoughts swirling around in my head. And at root, I'm a natural fixer. So if there's a problem, I have a strong urge to take action. But as we've talked about many times, there's not much action I can take on all of the problems rattling around in my brain. So how I want to be now is more at ease. I want to be aware of the problems we're facing and open to opportunities to contribute to solutions. But I want to be less intense, especially in my mind, which would not only help me be more relaxed, but allow my creative side to flourish and come up with new ideas for addressing old problems. In searching for ways to increase my sense of ease, I found a few that look helpful. I'm sure I'm not alone in that my routine is out of whack. I set it and stick with it for a while, and then something else happens and I let it slide. To feel at ease, we have to have some sense of control, and since we cannot control what's happening in our governments, on the streets, or in much of our external lives, that means pulling that control in, both within our homes and our minds. Create a schedule and stick to it, regardless of what's on the news or what changes are occurring in businesses, schools, etc. As you create the schedule, ease up on packing it full. I may be Miss Productivity, but I have never been more aware that my brain is not firing on all pistons. I have a very hard time staying focused all of the time. My energy is all over the place day to day, as is my motivation, and I'm much more fatigued than usual. All signs of stress, which is probably pretty normal under our circumstances. But instead of crawling back into bed and pulling the covers over my head, I'm lightening my schedule. If my brain is struggling, trying to do more is not the solution. I'm plugging in space, time I can use for what I need on that day. If I'm feeling great, I can certainly do more work in those slots. But if I'm not, I can take a break, take a walk, meditate, sit by the fish pond for a while doing absolutely nothing. Basically, I'm scheduling for ease. By being kind to myself, I'm not only increasing my feeling of ease, but I'm allowing my entire system to reset, and that may be critical for both my mental and physical well-being. While working, I'm being more diligent about monotasking. You may recall that our brains can't actually multitask, but task switch, which makes us mentally tired and increases mistakes. I've been monotasking for a couple of years now, and I know it's effective in increasing my productivity, but now it's also giving my brain a break, which gives me more processing power to manage my emotions. If you're trying to work from home with kids underfoot and other people working and interrupting you, it might be a good time to take a good long look at your schedule. Are there spots that could be moved to allow you more focused time to work on something instead of switching between five different things at once? Almost all of us are having to learn new software, tasks, behaviors, and more every single day. And while that can be rewarding, it's also exhausting. We can't stay constantly outside of our internal safety zones, so do something each day that lets you visit that safe space. Maybe it's meditating, cooking, doing a crossword puzzle, reading a book. You can do anything that you know well, brings you comfort, and reminds you that you have mastered a lot of skills over the years 
and can use those skills quite easily now. Another effective way to increase ease is to slow down. Intentionally walking slower actually relaxes you. Slow down your movements and notice the sensations on your skin, in your muscles, and your mind. This is a wonderful mindful activity and ultimately boosts your well-being. Playing increases a sense of ease, and this one I'm having the most challenges with. I know how important it is to play and laugh, but I'm doing way too little of it lately. As you know, I've tried various tactics, but I'm just not finding fun, and I'm having trouble coming up with an idea that's playful. That's made me very intrigued to talk to Jeff Harry of Rediscover Your Play. He'll be joining us on the show in a couple of weeks, and I'm hoping he can help. In the meantime, I'll continue my search, and I encourage you to do the same. Play is extremely beneficial to our well-being, so it's worth the effort. One last tip I found was to declutter your home, since it's difficult to feel at ease when your house is a mess. I'm embarrassingly organized. Yes, my clothing is color-coordinated in my closet. But my house had become a mess. Two people trying to work from a small home with lots of technology requirements had created a living space that wasn't livable. Camera lights, computer screens, microphones, etc. sitting in the middle of the living dining area was a decent temporary situation, but months into this, it was getting depressing. Add to that clutter all of the extra supplies purchased that is so out of the ordinary, like giant packages of toilet paper, paper towels, broth, masks, canned goods, coffee, and more, just in case we go back into a strict shutdown, and the house was starting to look like a prepper's bunker. So I spent my entire weekend moving all of the furniture out of the guest room and into storage, then setting up a proper office-slash-studio so that the teacher I live with can actually focus on teaching his classes all day instead of shuffling lights and paperwork to make a space for us to eat. I'm physically sore everywhere, but I can feel a difference mentally. I can leave my studio and walk into the house and see a comfortable living space again. No work, no equipment, just a comfortable, functional space. I can make lunch again without fear of making noise that will disturb a class of kids online. I can take a break and straighten up the living room or do some dishes. I can stop worrying that delivery people or others are going to knock on the front door while he's in the middle of a lecture online. Shockingly, it feels much more normal, and that has definitely moved me more into ease. Almost everything has felt hard to me over the past few months, requiring more effort and discomfort. But it doesn't have to. I can lighten up, stop taking everything so seriously, and most importantly, pay attention to how I'm feeling and doing. I can accept that I'm going to have productive days and useless days. I can remember that the world does not spin on which of those days I have. Life keeps going even if I have to take a break from it. As for all of those problems out there, I know they're still there. But I can remember that even if I can't fix them, I can continue contributing to the greater good which may help someone find the solutions. I can keep teaching mindfulness. I can keep mediating conflicts that erupt on teams. I can keep supporting leaders who are struggling with how to keep their organizations running. 
and I can keep reminding people to take care of themselves. I can also keep reminding myself and you that life will get better. We're in the midst of drastic change and unrest, but the result of all of this tumult may be a better world, and that's something we can all hope for. Austrian neurologist, psychiatrist, and Holocaust survivor Viktor Frankl wrote, When we can no longer change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Everything can be taken from a human but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. Mindfulness is the mental exercise needed to free ourselves from our own negative thoughts and distressing emotions. Neuroanatomist Jill Bolte-Taylor, author of My Stroke of Insight, describes our ability to regulate the neurological process that she calls the 90-second rule. When a person has a reaction to something in their environment, there's a 90-second chemical process that happens. Any remaining emotional response is just the person choosing to stay in that emotional loop. Of course, most of us are not consciously choosing to stay in that loop. We haven't trained our minds to recognize that we're doing this, and that's where meditation comes in. It takes practice, as with any skill, but meditating on our difficult emotions can lead us to the point that when a difficult emotion arises, we can simply count to 90 and then notice that the emotions pass. Meditation trains us to be resilient, which we really need during this time of mass uncertainty. The problem for many is that there can be great discomfort in sitting still and noticing our thoughts when we're full of difficult emotions, so we typically try to resist whatever feelings come up by doing something to distract ourselves, or we put our heads in the sand and hope they'll pass. Neither of these strategies work because the feelings don't go away and the emotions pop out in unexpected ways, like a sudden bout of crying or a flash of anger in response to a minor incident. A more helpful strategy is to learn how to stay with, and even turn toward, the difficult emotions. Keep in mind that this is a process. It takes repetitive practice to build the skill to look toward something unpleasant. It may take longer for those dealing with grief, PTSD, or other serious issues to achieve the ability to apply the 90-second rule. That's okay. We can all get there and enjoy less distress in our lives. We can learn how to live a life at ease. Get into a comfortable sitting position and breathe normally, simply noticing how the breath feels. Now bring to mind something difficult that you've been experiencing. Choose something mild to moderate to start. You can build up to the most difficult things you're dealing with after a little practice. Name your difficult emotion. Is it fear? Anger? Nervousness? Naming our emotions tends to diffuse their charge and lessen the burden they create. Psychologist Dan Siegel refers to this practice as, Name it to tame it. 
Notice your desire to push away the difficulty, to reach for something comforting or soothing, like picking up your phone, eating a snack, shopping online, having a cocktail, or denying this difficulty is really happening. Take a deep breath in through the nose and exhale slowly through the mouth. Repeat a couple of more times. In, out, in, out. Now bring to mind a figure that represents safety, compassion, and strength. A relative, friend, superhero, or deity that envelops your entire being and reassures you with words like, it will be fine, you're okay, you're enough, you're not alone, we'll get through this together. Think of as many loving and reassuring statements as you need until you begin to feel your mind and body slowing down and relaxing. Continue this process, picturing your protective figure and repeating reassuring statements. Return your attention to your surroundings. Notice how you feel now. Is there less severity in the emotions than when you began? Each time you feel the discomfort intensifying, repeat this process. The more you train your mind to acknowledge and label the difficulty, it will feel less and less challenging. As you face your difficulty while thinking of reassuring statements, your fight-or-flight response will calm down and you'll realize that there is nothing to fear by facing your difficult emotions. Ultimately, you'll be able to practice the 90-second rule and that will support you in living with uncertainty, which will benefit you now and during future challenging times. Life offers too many rich opportunities to just survive it, even during challenging times. 
Our intention is to support you in thriving through a life of purpose and meaning. Until next time, remember to be mindful. September is National Suicide Prevention Month, and bringing attention to this issue is more important than ever, as depression symptoms have tripled during the pandemic and many people are struggling. But there is help available. Hashtag be the one to is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline's message, which helps spread the word about actions we can all take to prevent suicide and promote healing. During these difficult times, pay attention to those you care about and reach out to them if you suspect they may be suffering from depression. Please subscribe to A Mindful Moment with Teresa McKee wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Please rate this podcast so that others can find us and follow us on social media at work to live A Mindful Moment is written and hosted by Teresa McKee. The Spanish version is translated and recorded by Paola Tile. Intro music, Retreat, by Jason Farnham. Outro music, Morning Stroll, by Josh Kirsch, Meteorite Productions. Meditation music, Meditation Impromptu 1, by Kevin McLeod. This podcast is produced by Work to Live Productions. Be sure to join us next week, and thank you for tuning in.